Welcome, Path Folk, to the Find the Path Ventures actual play of the Sovereign Court Side Story Part 2. The one with me, Jessica. The one with Jessica. If the spoilers down in the, technically speaking, down in the comments below or down in the episode description didn't spoil that reveal for you. Yeah, who looks at that? Or the fact that I might have mentioned at the end of the last episode. I don't remember which. Welcome Mm. back, Jessica. Back? Yeah. Well, I mean, you weren't in the last episode. I was. So it's back for me. It's not back for you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, we are continuing to do our side story, our Sovereign Court adventure. Uh, When last we had left, um, well, you've never met this hero before. (laughs) But when last we left off the story, Jordan had managed to not die. And in fact, I think arguably rolled the greatest number of uh, 18 plus rolls I have seen in his entire career. Oh, no. Did he steal all the luck for all the characters? He, I will say he started the episode with back-to-back perfect 20s and ended the episode with a natural one. So classic. Cool. Classic now Jordan. I'm a little scared. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I didn't manage to kill him in that side story. And let's cool. see if I can't uh, keep that luck going with the second one. It's always the danger. I would love to not die. Yeah, we, we talked briefly. I think it might have made it into the end of that episode. Jordan and I talked briefly about, uh, you know, one-on-one stories are always interesting. Because, you know, you do have a central protagonist. Uh, you know, in that case, Jordan was the, the sole hero, uh, <laughs> much as we'll be experiencing today with uh, with Jessica's new character. Yeah. It is always that challenge of like, well, if, if your character dies. Um, the end. Yeah, I, I guess. And the future refused to change. <laughs> I guess at that point, we just real quick, Jessica's going to roll up a third character. Um, who's this person? <laughs> Talk about the next character. <laughs> but we're experimenting around. We're trying up a couple of different things. Every once in a while, I like to... Uh, to shake the the tree that is the uh, the Find the Path Ventures and see uh, what new things fall out of it that we can try out. And right. uh, we haven't ever done a solo uh, player and Game Master story before. We've had a lot of two players and one Game Master as far as our yeah. A side, B sides are concerned. But really gives us a chance. Um, I think Jordan was kind of taken with it at the end of that. He was like, I really got a chance to like dive into this character and get an idea of who this character is. Nice. Um, when the focus is entirely on that. So no pressure. No pressure, Jessica. You just need to, to carry the, the weight of all of the other players on your shoulder. Mm. I'm sure mm. that that okay. would be fine. <laughs> You're like, ah, I'll be fine. It'll be okay, maybe. I'll just have to be the moral compass like Rachel and espoused by love of dark deities like Heather. And Yeah, it's hard to be the chaotic one when you're the only one. Or easier because there's no one telling you not to. True, but that's kind of bad. <laughs> so It's own kind of bad. Wasn't there a plot line here? I don't know. Get to the next one. It's just like, what ha- What happened with Jessica? I mean, I had a whole plan with something in Taldor. And somehow she ended up over Syrian and buried under a pyramid. I don't really know what's going on, but I don't know. She's rolling up a new character regardless. Yes, because um, Syrian is too far away. A bit. But I suppose we should jump into this. So um, again, much as I stated in the previous one, Jessica's really kind of walking into this with uh, very little idea of what is actually going on with this story as everyone's kind of coming into it mostly blind. Yep. And so um, let me give a little background here. So let's go ahead and take a step back in time and set the stage for this story. In 4692 AR, during the drought known as the Summer Without Rain, eight noble families were called to the Palace of Birdsong to meet with the Grand Prince Stavian III. While the heads of House Corsina, Darhan, Dinsarni, Falspar, Heskalar, Kastner, Maroset, and Zespire 
treated with the Grand Prince, the young scions of those houses entertained the heirs of the royal family. The five older teenage lords and ladies spent their days with the young Princess Eutropia and her schoolmate, Martella Lothate. The five younger children, however, bonded with Prince Carius II. The children enjoyed their magical summer together and then went their separate ways afterwards. Now, of course, our audience is well aware of what happened to five of those children um, who went their own separate ways and then were eventually called back together by their, their childhood friend, Martella, to aid Princess Eutropia. Things took a more, a more tragic turn for the other five children. The friends of Prince Carius were devastated after their prince's death during a riding accident just six years later. The five noble scions traveled to Opara and were reunited in mourning of their lost childhood friend and their own future ruler. They reconnected that day, swearing to see Prince Carius's dream for a greater Taldor realized. It was that night that they met a young noblewoman, an upstart as it were, a young mm. Lady Gloriana Morilla, scion of a lesser house with grand ideas of nobility united for a common cause. Together, these six nobles set out to improve not just Taldor, but all of the inner sea under the auspices of the Sovereign Court. Which again, as I mentioned, may sound a little bit familiar to certain Pathfinder players, <laughs> um, as the Sovereign Court is an organization that often works within the ranks of the Pathfinder Society. Although they are one of those secret societies that's large enough that they've expanded to work outside of just the, uh, the Pathfinder Society. And they're secret with quotes. A kind of an open secret. Yes. This story, our story today, begins in 4708 AR, 10 years after the death of Prince Carius II, and 10 years before the events that will kick off the War for the Crown. If you're unfamiliar with those, see the previous 40 episodes or whatever it is for War for the Crown so that you can get caught up. Yes, but welcome. But welcome. Yeah, thanks for joining. You're just sitting there going like, I really wish somebody would play through that one quest collection from season <laughs> six of uh, Pathfinder Society. I've been looking for this my entire life. Yes. Uh, prepare to be somewhat disappointed because uh, I have reworked this extensively. That <laughs> I think they should be excited. You should be excited. Even if you have played it, you should be like, huh. Considering the fact that I've had to make a whole bunch of new maps for this, um, it will be fun and entertaining for everyone. Are you going to release your version? I will, in fact. In fact, I'm actually even writing a mini dungeon that's going to tie into the uh, the dungeon maps that I'm going to be releasing for that. Oh, I was nice. very proud of the one that I had for uh, the section. That I just wanted to say Cornelius because my brain went immediately <laughs> like, Jordan's playing War for the Crown, so it's Cornelius. But the the one that, uh, that Hennessy Denzarni just got through. So, though Gloriana Marilla has begun to work with the Pathfinder Society at this point in Absalom, it is still years away before she will become the head of the Taldor faction that works within that organization, or to expand her secret society of the Sovereign Court to work within the noble ranks of nations across the Inner Sea. Seeking a new ally, however, in her fight to restore Taldor to its long-lost glory, Lady Marilla has reached out to her friends to aid her. And thus begins Honor's Echo. Hmm. In the aftermath of the Eventung Conquest and the embarrassing loss of Chiliax, Andoran, Isgur, and Galt, the Emperor of Taldor sought scapegoats to bear the shame of his defeat. He stripped numerous noble families of their titles and lands to condemn their failures in the campaign. Hmm. Most who suffered this punishment faded into obscurity and never rose again. 
Countess Honoria Alcasti was an influential commander during the campaign, before and immediately following the Eventung conquests. Yet for all her skill, she could not make up for the shortage of supplies, and her career came to an ignoble end. Yep, it's her fault she had no supplies. Yeah, obviously. You know, you, you're not going to blame the, the leader of your country. You're going to blame the yeah, person in the field sitting there going like, I desperately need supplies. It's like, well, make it work with five guys and a bucket of horseshoes. <laughs> I don't know if horseshoes come in buckets. Probably. They could. You could put horseshoes in a bucket. That's <laughs> true. You could put anything in a bucket, technically. Mm. When she dared to critique the crown strategies, mm. the emperor sentenced her family to the worst possible fate. A life as commoners. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, that's bad. Her many times great-grandson, Romario Alcasti, only has incomplete references to his family's heroism and title, but longs to exonerate her name and regain the noble title that he believes he rightfully deserves. Mm. If he can gather the right evidence and present it in Opara, he is certain that he will succeed. As such, he has turned to Lady Marilla for help hoping that she can help him follow his leads across Taldor and beyond to uncover the truth and, with evidence in hand, to advocate for his ancestor's grand legacy. And so, Gloriana has called to her old friends to help restore the name of House Alcasti and hopefully gain a new ally in the process. And in this case, you have answered the call. Of course. So let's go ahead and get the ball rolling, shall we? Our story begins in a beautiful summer. Another beautiful summer. This one with rain, though. Ah, delightful. The best kind of summer. Our story continues with Count Albert of House Falspar. As we begin, a lone riverboat glides along the Verudian Fork of the mighty Selen River, deep in the heart of the Verudian Forest. Albert, you stand on the deck of the boat the soft lapping of the water against the hull dully echoing through this beautiful forest around you. The morning mist above the river subtly shifts, unveiling this primeval forest that stretches endlessly to either side of the river. Now that you find yourself in the deepest heart of the forest. Ah, great. Ancient trees, some with trunks as wide as the boat you stand on, reach skywards. Their branches heavy with centuries of growth, blocking out all but a narrow strip of the gray sky directly overhead. You know from the histories of your family that the Verudian Forest is old. Older than Taldor. Older than written history. Legends say that the oldest trees in the deepest part of the forest still bear the scars from the cataclysmic meteor strike that was Earthfall. 10,000 years ago, and somehow survived the ages of darkness and anguish that followed to spread their seeds and to grow the massive wood that now surrounds you. This forest does not welcome outsiders. And the soldiers of the River Guard, the Taldane Imperial Naval officers that guard the Selen River and pilot the boat that you are now on, watch the forest warily. They, like you, know that they are protected by the Treaty of the Wildwood. As long as they stay on or near the river, they are safe. But of course, the Druids of the Wildwood Lodge are not the only threat in this forest. The breeze wafts past you, and in your distance you see your next destination, 
after having been on this riverboat since you left Casimir some seven days ago, making your way upriver to meet with this Romario that you've come out here to see and hopefully aid him in whatever task it is that he has entreated Gloriana Marilla for assistance. So, Jessica, why don't we give a little description for uh, for Count Albert? Yes, uh, Count Albrecht, goes by Albie to people who know him, is, I mean, he's pretty tall. I don't think he's the tallest in this party. Uh, he stands at like 6'1". Six, six, You're the tallest on this boat. He's the tallest on the boat, which is important. <laughs> and he has a really kind of striking appearance. He doesn't have a high charisma, but he's classically a kind of Talden, right? He has... Um, I thought really you were going to say he's one of those guys that he's not necessarily the most charismatic, but he dresses really well. It's like, wow, yeah. his clothes game is on point. Yeah, he has really nice clothes, but also <laughs> he's, you know, he's handsome and he's got kind of piercing green eyes, which is a trait of the Falsoirs. Um, high mm. cheekbones, a really straight nose. I kind of cast him as like Charlie Hunnam. And of course, I mean, he's Talden, so he wears a beard uh, and mustache, but he keeps it pretty closely trimmed. It's not like wild or anything. Like going the mountain man route? No, no, no. Not out here like a lumberjack? He is not. Although at one time he might have been. Not right now. <laughs> uh, and his hair is kind of a sandy, sandy blonde, brown kind of color, which is strange because most Falspars have dark hair. But um, he's quite literally the youngest of four brothers, the golden child um, with uh. blonde hair. Um, but he wears that kind of long and swept back. I mean, most Talden people do really ornate hairstyles, and his isn't quite that ornate, but it is at least tidy. Functional, as it were. Functional. He is an outdoorsy kind of a dude. So he's got, you know, tan skin. He looks like he's been outside. Um, and he does wear kind of like, these are working men's clothes, except really rich people working men's clothes. <laughs> so it's like this weird collection of like noblemen and equestrianism, but also I travel around in the woods all the time. Yeah. So, so he's basically kind of a, he's like the guy that yeah. shows up to the work site and has like, yeah, I've got all the work gears, but I've got these brand new gloves that I just bought, you know, the, my brand new husky gloves and uh, matching, you know, steel toed $200 boots. Yes. And maybe they're not new, but they are like super well cared for. And you can tell he bought the most expensive things. You can tell he goes to the cobbler and has them replace the soles. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he wears kind of this riding coat with like uh, nature colors and uh, since he's out adventuring, I guess, he probably is wearing his um, dragon scale breastplate, which is white and super <laughs> fancy. It's one of those like, you know, normal adventurer runs around in dragon scale. And of course, uh, you know, he's got this pendant around his neck that's made from blackwood, which is a huge export from the from this very forest that we are in. Yeah, um, that kind of is like the holy symbol of the green faith. So it's got like a little face made out of leaves on it. And then, you know, he's always wearing his falcata and his buckler. Uh, and he has a bow, but it's, you know, kind of his not primary weapon. And uh, mostly he's been hanging out trying to make these sailors feel less awkward. I mean, he spent a great deal of his own childhood at the Wildwood Lodge. So he's trying to keep the sailors from being too freaked out by the forest. Yeah. I mean, the forest is scary, but the forest is also well, cool. Again, he, he has a feeling that like these are sailors that were taking him up the river from uh, the Isle of uh, Arnway, which is where he okay. was uh, previously. So they're soldiers that stay in this forest, but they also understand like they're stressed. The moment when you get to Ironway, there's a single military base on Ironway and then the soldiers are understand if you step off of there, you're fair game for the Fae. Mm, okay, fair, fair. They know the dangers that they're up against. Uh, they might be a little bit awkward with them just because he's a bloody count. No, oh, that's fair. He doesn't <laughs> think about that ever. He never ever thinks about that. He's like, oh, right, I am a count. Yes, quite a bit different from, uh, from Hennessy. <laughs> Probably. But 
Sorry, I was also just laughing. It's like, he has very down-to-earth clothing on all the rest of this. I mean, he is wearing the height of a dragon, but he has very down-to-earth. It's down very to earth. fancy, but, you know, I mean, he obviously looks like he's worn. He didn't just buy him off the shelf yeah. to look like he's an adventurer. He's got dirt under his nails. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, but he also, uh, he's a hardworking I mean, guy. It's real expensive stuff. Yeah. He's gone the extra. He's paid a lot of money for the good tools, but he puts them to good use. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly it. So you stand here again towards the prow of the ship as it begins to finally approach your destination. The boat glides to a stop next to a dock attached to a river watch station on the northern bank of the Viridian Fork. The building is an impressive fortification, hmm. although it is so thickly blanketed in overgrowth that it's actually hard to see the stone beneath it. You are fairly certain that the soldiers here would be allowed to cut back vegetation, though perhaps they are not willing to risk upsetting the forest by doing so. Okay, all right. It's one of those those beautiful old structures where it's just completely covered in uh, in ivy. I like it. You disembark. I suppose turn around and uh, coax your your steed from uh, where he's been standing on the back of the boat this entire oh, yes, time. My it's fairly large. Yes, your beloved peppercorn. Do you want to describe peppercorn for the audience? Uh, yeah, I mean, peppercorn is a, I don't know what the fantasy equivalent is, but essentially a Mustang that he hand, like, bottle-fed and raised himself when he was a young boy. Ah. And she is his best friend in the entire world. All of his human best friends are, like, second and third best friends. Peppercorn is his best friend. And she's uh, kind of got, like, that dark, dark brown coat uh, with, like, the lighter tan around, like, the muzzle and mm-hmm. the, the hooves and whatnot. And she's, she's a light, essentially, she's a light horse. You know, she's not a big, heavy, burly thing or anything. She's like a little compact Mustang. I was going to say, having bottle fed a kitten, it does uh, it does make them very, very needy. Yes. No, Peppercorn is his <laughs> animal companion and best friend. <laughs> so Peppercorn, you managed to coax Peppercorn off of the uh, the dock. She drops down, you know, onto the, uh, steps down onto the, the dock, uh, nuzzles you, manages to somehow, you know, dart her tongue into your, uh, your vest pocket to retrieve hey, the hey, sugar hey, cube. Hey, hey. Eats it contently. Ah, fine. As you, uh, well, basically, as you uh, you finish coaxing your horse and uh, and beginning to lead her um, away from the boat as the other men begin to unload the supplies, you see a figure begin to approach you, one that is certainly not a soldier. <laughs> okay. Making his way up the dock towards you. He is a young man of average height and build, maybe 5'7 or 5'8, definitely not the outdoorsy type. Oh, God. Okay. Am I going to have to keep him alive in this forest? That's going to be a problem. He has uh, thick auburn hair and a well-trimmed beard, both exceptionally well-kept. Although you're aware that this must be Romario, and he is therefore not a true noble. Mm. That has not stopped him from dressing the part. Okay, all right. Wearing a beautiful vest and doublet of a brilliant shade of red. He seems to have, for this occasion, um, you're going to guess being out here in the woods, Seems to have probably switched his pantaloons as well as his shoes uh, for a high pair, a knee-high pair of uh, boots. Okay. That, judging by how shiny and uncreased they are, you <laughs> think he probably purchased specifically for this trip. Cool. All right. All right. He also wears an extraordinarily wide-brimmed hat, which would maybe be useful if the sunlight ever really got down to the forest floor <laughs> inside of the Viridian Forest. And considering that it is the same bright red shade that his vest and doublet are, with a large ostrich plume. You're not entirely positive if that's going to uh, to help him whatsoever here in the hey, woods. He won't be in a hunting accident, and I guess that's what matters. That is true. No one will accidentally shoot him. Um, they may purposefully shoot yes, him. Yes, yes. But 
The man makes his way forward. A rapier bounces easily at one hip. And uh, again, as a trained warrior, as such as you are, you can recognize the walk and the way that he has the rapier there, and even the um, the wear, basically the sweat stains on the grip of the rapier, that this is not a showcase item. This is something okay. that he has used. Well, that's good, at least. The man quickly makes his way forward. Uh, his face splits into a beaming smile um, as he steps forward before bowing deeply at the waist in a manner that immediately speaks to you that, in essence, that he is a common man. This is not the way that a noble would bow or incline mm. their head in respect to another noble. This is a way that a, a staff member or a, a servant would bow to the betters. Uh, although he does affect a, uh, a flourish as he removes his hat and then like extends it way to the side as he bows down. All right, there's really, there's no need. Oh, I apologize. I did not mean to offend you, my count. I'm just Albie's fine. I will be. Um, I will endeavor. He places the hat back on his head <laughs> before, not quite tentatively, but, uh, you know, somewhat awkwardly extending a hand. I'll take it. Uh, well met, uh, Lord Albi. I am Romario Casti. Well met. Al Casti, sorry. I don't know what my last name is. Do you know your own I name? Am, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a doppelganger. Um, ah, I am Romario Al Casti, and uh, I'm so incredibly glad that you could be here. I trust that your voyage was pleasant. It was. It was. Um, good to meet you. I'd love to find out what it is you're doing in the Verdran Forest. <laughs> Believe you me, I would not be here if it were my choice. Um, hmm. But matters do compel me to uh, to come, and so uh, here I am. Well, perhaps we can uh, discuss matters. Um, he kind of shuffles to the side, I suppose, as you do the same as uh, soldiers begin unloading ah, yes. all the crates and Maybe such. off the dock. Yes, um, in fact, uh, I apologize if you would want some time to rest, but uh, actually, if we could make some headway here shortly, um, I have a man, um, uh, when I saw your boat beginning to approach, uh, saddling my horse. I figured it would be a little bit faster to take a, take a steed. Obviously, you feel much the same. Ah, yes, this is Peppercorn. Oh, uh, well met. He nods to the <laughs> horse. Um, so, but yes, um, we, can, we can get started. Oh, good, good. I rest it on the boat. The two of you make your way off of the dock and head down uh, to where the small stable is here. Again, the Treaty of the Wildwood that uh, your family helped mm -hmm. to negotiate, that brought peace between the nation of Taldor and the Druid Lodges of the Verudian Forest, and by extension, even the Fey Courts of the Verudian Forest, does have a number of stipulations. In particular, it gives Taldor free access to the waterways, both the Selen River and the Verudian Fork, which is the uh, eastern running river that uh, heads from where you are right now, basically where the Selen River is, all the way over to the World's Edge Mountains and all the way up to uh, your own lands in northern Tandak and the shadow of the southern range of the Fog Peaks. Mm. Although at that point it's called uh, Broken Bridge. Yeah. However, the stipulations of that treaty also do state that anything, any part of the forest more than 10 miles away from the river belongs to the Wildwood Lodge. Hmm. And while there are some areas that that's somewhat more nebulous, uh, famously the Dragonfin being uh, that there's a number of different waterways there and the water oh, disperses yeah. a great deal, it's somewhat difficult to tell where 10 miles is. Sure. But as such, uh, since it is a 10 mile distance, horses are not very commonly used in the forest here. Hmm. And the fact that there are no roads in the Viridian Forest, yeah. um, does mean that you have to have horses that are rather spry, much akin to your own steed, like 20% goat. Yes, back in the, it's like you know, mules, but with with goats and horses. <laughs> but with goats. 
yeah. with giant goats. Yes, very weird. We don't think about actually. It too I much. think they, I think it is the High Helm book. They've introduced the uh, goats for mounts for dwarves. Oh my god, that's amazing. Which is awesome. Which I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. The man leads you a short distance off. Again, you can tell that he is a man probably in his mid twenties somewhere, um, so close to your age. All right. The man leads you off to the side. Glances off, uh, stares kind of off into the forest. Well, um, I suppose you're um, interested, of course, in uh, getting down to business. And uh, I am also interested in getting underway as uh, as soon as possible. Uh, The sooner we uh, leave, the sooner we can return back to civilized lands. I don't mind the forest too much, but sure, yeah. Of course, and uh, I'm certain that you received uh, the letter from Lady Marilla, and I'm certain it was probably brief. So uh, let me explain in a little bit more detail. Perfect. I am looking, of course, to restore the honor of my ancestor, Honoria Alcasti. Hmm. And uh, by extension, if possible, to uh, regain the position, the uh, status that uh, should be mine. Do I know what that is? You are aware from the letters that she was a countess. Oh, okay. So you don't know whether or not he would be restored to a count. I mean, obviously the county that she was the countess of, if she was a landed countess, has been managed by someone else for the last 700 years since the uh, even-tongued rebellion. Yeah. All right. Okay. So... I recently come from Opara, and Mm. uh, there I was doing some research. I managed to recover something of use to prove my ancestors' uh, standing in station uh, with the Church of Aroden. And even though the priest there can't really do much to speak to their gods, God, he's dead. Yes. (laughs) Yes, quite. (laughs) They can do some to um, aid in restoring my family's lost honor. My ancestor was knighted for actions that she took in the Viridian Forest in defense of Taldor. Okay. Unfortunately, those records have been mostly lost as far as uh, what exactly she accomplished. I know only that she led a unit of Taldane knights into the Viridian Forest when she was uh, quite young, uh, younger than myself. Mm. It was just over 700 years ago, so of course after the signing of the Wildwood Treaty with the Druids, but uh, just before she would earn glory in the Eventongue Rebellion. All right. No records, as I said, uh, remain of her victories, or even why she came to the forest, what she hoped to accomplish. Hmm. At least nothing that I could find in Opara. And yet you believe there's some lead here? Well, I reached out to the Druids of the Wildwood Lodge. Ah. They have no knowledge of the event. Um, I don't even know if they keep written records. Um, However, they do tell of a Blackwood tree that remembers that time and apparently has the power of speech. Oh, great. Have I heard of this tree? You may make a knowledge nature if you so wish. I'll try. I was a druid for one level. (laughs) I'm going to roll a 13 for a 19. Not quite a nat 20. But a 13's okay, I'll take it. I'll go ahead and give it to you. You don't know the details on this. Um, again, your your time as far as uh, being in a druid circle, which I believe was actually with the Wildwood Lodge. It was, but I was like 16 when I left, so it's been yeah. a minute. You are aware that sufficiently powerful, and by that I mean powerful druids, can animate plants and even give them a semblance of intelligence and life. Cool. It's very rare for that to last... Um, he's saying over 700 years, huh? but you guess, technically speaking, there are various, you've heard of various ways of enchanting things for them to be permanent magical effects. I mean, much akin to a magic weapon or magic armor or things mm. like that, that people can make permanent magic on someone. 
So right. it is possible. It also could be a treant, and he's just misinterpreting it, but you don't know if that's the case or not. Well, that certainly sounds interesting. Yes, um, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure if I believe the tree worshippers, but we honestly can't afford to let Anaria's battles just vanish into memory. So, I don't have a great deal of skill in uh, traversing forests or uh, treating with trees. Um, <laughs> I don't entirely know what I would even offer it, but uh, what I do have in abundance that has uh, served me quite well is uh, money. <laughs> uh, Albie just so, kind of laughs. I, uh, I did purchase safe passage from the uh, Wildwood Lodge. I have a writ here and everything. All right. And I also negotiated to hire one of their number as a guide. Oh. He, however, refused to meet us here. Uh, something about respecting the land and the treaty and some such. Mm. Uh, he said he would meet us at a, uh, a collection of Menham... Menham... Uh, God's dang... Uh, standing stones in the ah, woods. Ah, Yes. According to the scouts here, it's about three hours northeast. Um, they gave me a map. Um, I cannot make heads or tails of this. I am no uh, cartographer. Albie just holds out a hand. He, well, he happily hands it over. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a good thing Marilla sent me. This is something of a specialty of mine. I have experience in these in these woods, so... Oh, okay. yes. Uh, Lord Denzarni was uh, was probably quite helpful to me previously, so uh, she seems to have an abundance of very skilled friends. Mussy, did you go bar crawling? <laughs> oh no, but there were uh, there was some theft involved and some questioning to be made, and um, <laughs> he made a, a rather horrible sound and smell with a very large explosion. It was all very dramatic. Oh yeah, um, that sounds like him. But again, um, they did provide me with this map. Um, however, they said that they could not spare a guide. And considering it takes them out of the land protected by the treaty, I think that they were just being uh, evasive out of an overabundance of caution. Mm. Well, that's so, right. um, well, I hope then that uh, we are able to uh, to make this work, uh, that we can see if this tree can really talk and if it has evidence of Onaria's victories. And if it does, that we can uh, perhaps procure some sign or such. Again, I am trying to, as much as I am myself personally, uh, trying to restore her name and my family honor so that I may, um, shall we say simply, um, ascend, uh, be exalted, as it were. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also am deeply interested in restoring the lost honor of what I believe to be one of the most overlooked, but perhaps one of the most important figures of the Taldane side of the uh, uh, Even Tongue Rebellion. So if I can do anything to restore my ancestor's honor, uh, I would do so. Well, I guess we should endeavor to try. Absolutely, of course. Oh, it seems that they have my horse ready, so I suppose we should make our way. His horse looks like the right kind of horse, right? It looks like he probably just gave a lot of money to one of the people here and purchased a horse off of the, the knights here. Okay, then it's probably fine. Again, considering that he walks over there, like, thanks the groomsmen, groomsmen and pulls out, like, a platinum piece and hands it to him and Jesus, then just climbs up guy. in the saddle. <laughs> this guy's richer than me and I'm a count. <laughs> <laughs> He's a commoner. How does this work? <laughs> well, those merchant commoners, they sure. know what's up. But I suppose you set out. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and bounce a little dice now, we shall dice? we? 
Um, you're going to be navigating your way through the woods, so I am going to need you to go ahead and make me a survival check since you are uh, kind of going off the beaten trail here. Cool. I'm good at that. You do have a map, which is going to grant you a plus two bonus. Cool. So that's going to be Ooh. an 18 for a 29. All right. So, uh, yeah, you're in your element here. A 29 is a success. If this were 2E, it would be a critical success, but oh, it is man. not. That's when I wish it was 2E. I wish it then, not when I'm really rolling terribly on saves. Yes. No, crit fails, no thank you. You head off from the Watt station. You begin to make your way north and east following this. Uh, fortunately, this map is very well laid out, hmm. um, including not just the, uh, here's a mark on here for where you are. Here's a mark where you're going. Good luck. But actually marking down a number of streams, various landmarks that you're expecting. Nice. And even having some topographical information so that you're <laughs> just like, okay, well, I can see that there's a slope up there. And according to this map, if we've traveled as far as I think we have, and judging by the slanting angle of the sunlight that manages to filter down, I can kind of estimate where the sun is. Um, yeah, I, I can make a mental note to like, on the way. I make a mental note to like send a small donation or thank you or whatever to the scouts of that uh, particular outpost. Whoever your cartographer is, he deserves a promotion. Yeah, that guy's great. Give him a promotion. <laughs> Here's a box of tea. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> or some wood. You need some wood? Probably not. You're in the forest. <laughs> yeah, he's just looking around. It's like, you need more wood? <laughs> but the forest here is dense. This is, again, I used the term earlier, but to use the term literally, this is primeval forest. Ah, oh, so awesome. This is untouched by the hands of man. The air is thick. It is just saturated with that heavy scent of nature. That combination pleasant scent of fresh bloom, uh, especially considering it's the summer. Mm. And underneath that, that almost constant earthy, but not unpleasant smell of decaying leaves that smell of the earth itself, that unique aroma that you can only find when you're so far away from humanity. There's a constant symphony of bird calls from overhead as they chat, as they echo back and forth to one another. There's the constant whispering of the leaves rustling overhead. There is that distant sound of the babbling streams occasionally punctuated or counterpointed, as it were, by the large croaking sound of frogs, <laughs> usually of the rather small variety, although you see one or two approximately dinner plate sized so um, as you make your way through the streams and they just this is the best adventure. You. <laughs> I like it. There's no combat here. It's just a very pleasant walk through the forest. I love it. I'm here for it. Just continue to describe the trees. <laughs> just trees everywhere. You, you occasionally do glance movement through the dappled sunlight. Oftentimes seeing, uh, especially considering the the way the sunlight dances here, it actually even provides and accentuates their natural coloration and camouflage. The occasional dappled white-tailed deer um, that watches you through the forest springs away in almost utter silence in the way that deer do in their springing, loping gait um, as they dart away. Again, this would be an extraordinarily uh, pleasant experience for you. Even as you're kind of going down uh, through, wading through a creek, watching the fish navigate their way between the rocks here, watching in some interest uh, in the distance where you can see a bear continuing to uh, fatten itself up as, uh, you know, you are in the summer now. So it's steadily mm. getting ready for the coming of fall. Yeah, time to eat. It's some distance away. And of course, you're well aware of bears as long as you keep your distance and all the rest of that, um, you know, you're perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. Again, this would be an extraordinarily, maybe even a perfectly pleasant excursion. Unfortunately, if it were not for your companion. Oh, no. Alcasti, he's not 
unpleasant, but he is not an outdoorsman. <laughs> and so there's a lot of like, you're just kind of going along, you're enjoying things. And then suddenly he's just like slapping himself. It's like, oh, there's, <laughs> there's so much, so many insects out here. Oh, my allergies have been terrible since I've gotten away from the, the city. You know, I've got sores in places I didn't even know I had. These boots are really rubbing me raw. Oh, I think <laughs> this horse is a little bit never, too robust ever, for me. Never invite this guy to go on a ride <laughs> or go fishing or anything ever. Yeah. Is it always so humid out here? That yes. entire thing, basically the whole trip. <laughs> uh, that is that is the next three hours of your life, basically. Oh, of, uh, I mean, Albie tries to forest. keep conversation going, but and try to hide the fact that he's like basically irritated with this person. But you know, he's a friendly dude, so he's trying to stay friendly. Well, and again, you know, at the very least, he's not overreacting to things because uh, I mean, he didn't even see the bear. No, I don't point that out. <laughs> I point out the deer, oh, but not the bear. Oh my! Eventually, though. You begin to approach towards an area, a small clearing in the forest. Clearing is a very generous term for this. It's basically an area, maybe some distance of perhaps 30 or 40 feet across. Really only counts, counts as a clearing because the floor here is clear. Ah. Although the trees, of course, are in a constant, it's the way of nature. Um, They're constantly stretching, attempting to get higher and higher to get to the sunlight, battling over it. Right. Um, and so there's, in essence, almost a single, um, especially as it's approaching noon now, there's almost a single well shaft of light from a circular area, um, almost over the direct center of the clearing that shines down into the center of this place. Hmm. Combining that with the fact that the, the insect sounds don't fade, but the animal sounds do as you approach here. And as you begin to enter into the clearing, you see that the, uh, what from a distance you maybe even could have uh, mistaken for trees due to the amount of uh, moss and vegetation coverage on them you realize are three menhirs. These three standing stones forming roughly, as technically speaking, any three standing stones would, a triangle. Right. Although in this case, almost an equilateral triangle. Ah, uh, looks like we've arrived. As you reach here, a man stands up to his feet as you uh, enter the clearing. Although you get the impression that, uh, judging by the fact that he was been out here and seems to be very comfortable with the woods, he was probably well aware of all of your approach, or at the very oh, yeah. least, well aware of Acasti's approach. Um, yeah, we're not quiet right now. Before he got there. You're probably at least somewhat surprised to see that the man is a dwarf. <laughs> um, a dwarven man with bright reddish-orange hair and a matching beard, braided in such a way as to keep it uh, close and well out of the way. His arms are completely bare, with the exception of bracers that he wears on his forearms on either side. And he wears a vest of obviously tanned leather. Deer hide, you believe. <laughs> his legs and feet are protected by, again, deer hide chaps and moccasins, um, meaning that he moves with a shocking amount of silence. And as he stands, he takes up his spear, uh, which is, again, as tall as he is. Although, uh, in the hands of a taller man, it would just be a regular spear, not a long spear. Sure, sure. The man gives you a nod as you enter into the clearing. I return it. He addresses both of you um, in a language that uh, Alcasti does not speak, in a language that you have not heard spoken probably in years, hmm. as he addresses you in the Druidic tongue. Oh, man. Um, a yeah. traditional greeting of, welcome to the deepest forest. I speak for the woods. Thanks for having us. I return. If he's surprised, you think the amount of hair on his eyebrows and his face <laughs> obscures it? I was not expecting to find a brother in the faith. Ah, uh, well, unfortunately, I left the lodge maybe a decade ago, but you never quite leave the faith, do you? Mm. 
He glances you over. Nods. You are wearing a bunch of that, you know, civilized clothing and all the rest hey, of that stuff, but it's not as bad. I'm not wearing bad. metal armor. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I am I'm wearing dead dragon. I'm not wearing metal armor. Thank you very much. Yep. Is, is this some sort of ritual that I should know? Oh, sorry. Um, I'll switch back to Colin. Um, this, we were just exchanging greetings. I am Polgren of the Wildwood Lodge. Ah, yes. I am Romario. This is my uh, uh, companion, uh, Count Albie. I look at him. Albie of House Valspar. Yes. I engaged your employer um, to have your services in guiding us. I make a face at the word employer a little bit. Not so that he can see me. I feel like I'm standing kind of behind him-ish so that Acosti can't see my face. A little directly out of the way. Yes. I was informed by the speakers of the lodge that I am to escort you to the Blackwood Grove. Yes, if that's where the uh, the tree is that we need to speak to, then uh, very well, man. Um, did you bring your own steed? I'm much faster than I look. Is it a tree and not a treant that we're speaking with? It is a tree that was granted sentience. Huh. He pauses, kind of stares at this rain-fed stream that slowly makes its way between the trees. Go ahead and give me a sense motive and then follow that up with the diplomacy. All right, I have a plus five, so it's not terrible. Oh, okay. I'm going to roll 18 for a 23 on the sense motive, apparently. And diplomacy, (laughs) a two for a 12. (laughs) So you get the impression that this man is doing his job. Mm. You also get the impression that that is kind of like saying a soldier is doing his job while cleaning the latrine. Mm. Yep, that makes sense. This is not the job that he wants. There. He does seem to be actually quite more like you get the feeling that he's willing to talk about the tree. Um, in fact, you get almost the sensation that this dwarf is excited to get to go into maybe a part of the forest he hasn't been a great deal before. All right. Or at very exciting. least on his own. That being said, you can tell that he's generally just not exactly happy with. Uh, you get the immediate impression that he's not necessarily happy with Romario. Fair, fair. I understand this feeling. Should we leave our mounts? If you wish to leave them here, you may. They may assist you in keeping up with me, though. Okay, I'll take my horse. <laughs> Alfie's like, I guess I'll keep my horse then. I'm, I'm curious how this dwarf is so fast. No, no, technically he's not slowed down by uh, natural oh, terrain. Oh, true. Unlike you and your horses. That's true, <laughs> so I did I did. Even give though he has up. dwarven movement speed, it's actually pretty quick in here. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. He stares for a long time, um, basically at the stream. Um, the canopy above, again, kind of shifts as the light dapples down here providing this almost this constant green twilight. Mm. These stones, he places a hand on one of the nearby rocks, are sacred. They mark the burial place of ancestors, of both the people that stay here, as well as those who inform our order. This one, he walks over towards one of the stone and places a hand on it. This one stands above the body of Arenia. A speaker of the forest. It was she who granted the Blackwood Tree the ability to speak. So that she might be able to learn even more of the secrets of the forest. It is a sacred thing. His eyes dart for a second over towards Romario before back towards you. To be able to speak directly with nature. Yes, we will not take it lightly. I trust that you shall not. He switches to uh, Drudic. (laughs) <laughs> Come, brother. Follow me. Uh, I'll be nods and follows. Oh, and I also motion for Romero. Romario. I also motion for Romario. 
Re-Mario was the joke that Jordan made. Ah, jeez. It's-a me, Re-Mario. <laughs> It's-a-me, Waluigi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to hang out with that guy. I don't know if I want to hang out with this guy, but we'll find out. You seem pretty good until you learned that you were a tree worshiper. <laughs> Whatever, I'm still a count. Sure. <laughs> you set off and make good time navigating your way through the woods, heading off in the direction you hope of the Blackwood Grove. While Romario is more than happy to kind of sit there and complain about oh my God. the woods and all the rest of that stuff. You know, even he, to a degree, you think, can't help but appreciate the beauty of this place. Okay, good. The deeper and deeper you get, the more lush nature becomes. Again, for the most part, any of the animals that you see here are generally speaking harmless, or at the mm. very least are harmless to you. Mm. You know, at one point you do see a the whole nature scene unfolding as you're like, oh, there's a hare over there and it's keeping an eye on you. And you're like, eh, you better watch out behind you, buddy, as you watch, you know, a forest fox slinking in behind it. Uh -oh. um, the hare does notice it at the last second and flees quickly into the woods. Mm. Well, good luck, bud. You'll never know the end of that story. Make up your own ending. Um, you just continue along your way. Polgren, the, uh, the dwarven man, um, is more than happy to chat with you. And uh, awesome. seems to be somewhat, you know, curious at the very least of your being here with this guy and kind of getting into, uh, we don't see very many nobles, um, although once he... Oh, it's a family thing. Blah, blah. Yeah, because uh, your last name wasn't introduced there. So it's once he learns that you're a Falspar, it makes more sense to him and not just Count Abby uh, or Albie. Yeah, I'm the youngest of four sons. I could definitely be the one that became a druid. It was all a whole thing. Yeah, Albie talks happily, yeah. although he has to like... Spend half his time in Druidic and half his time in Common because he also doesn't want to make the other guy feel left out. So it's a little bit of a weird <laughs> balancing act that he's doing this whole time. Yeah, bouncing back and forth. But no, I mean, Polgren's more than happy to talk to you. Apparently, he knew your uh, great-grand-uncle hmm. since, you know, dwarf. So he's like 160 years old. Yeah. yeah. And if he was at the lodge, he must have. we must have just missed each other while I was there. He might have been out roaming or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you guess if he kind of serves this section because, you know, if you were at the lodge, you would have been training on uh, Arway Island. Yeah, yeah. But... As you go further, the trees get denser. The The world here just becomes denser and darker. And it's at some point that you notice that these uh, these various trees around you, whichever variety of uh, deciduous trees. Because they're not coniferous, because that's no. like pines and stuff. Yeah, those are pines, the evergreens and all the rest of that stuff. You're a bit too far south for that. There might mm -hmm. be a few like scattered in. Oh, sure. But that's when you've noticed that it's not because of the, the shade. It's not because of the overcast. It's not because of the canopy that the trees seemed so dark. It's the fact that you actually have entered into Blackwood. Huh. Um, the trees standing, towering. The Blackwood, of course, of this forest being famous because it is uh, just as light as wood, but almost as strong as steel. I have a buckler made of Blackwood. Yeah, it's an extraordinary material, considering that you can literally make breastplates out of it if you wanted to. Yeah, true. Pretty expensive. Very expensive. Um, <laughs> it is a rare thing. And again, just looking around, maybe that's that civilized part of your brain or something that's just like, this is a fortune in Blackwood yep. right here. Felling one of these trees would give you more money than the average hamlet would make in a decade. And that's why it's good that there's a treaty. So this sure. forest still exists. It's true. Otherwise, you know, Taldor would have eaten this entire forest, given enough time. Mm -hmm. And considering how often you've gotten into arguments with, you know, some of your southern neighbors, those Dinzarni included. I know. I love Hennessy, but he's a troublemaker. That's true. Eventually, though, you begin to approach a wider open area, a second clearing, although this one a clearing in truth, considering that from one side to the other, you're going to say it's maybe up to about 80 feet or so. It's surrounded on every side by large towering trees. 
although the trees a little bit closer become smaller. Um, in large part, as you can see that there's a rocky rise here, just an area where rain and erosion has washed away most of the soil. And grass can still grow there as the light actually reaches the ground here. Um, but there's not enough actual soil uh, for a tree to gain purchase. So hmm. as such, it's just remained cleared naturally. All right. A massive old blackwood tree stands at the side of the clearing. Sheets of moss cling to its bark, covering it entirely, um, except for a jagged crack that, curiously, as you begin to approach, gives an odd suggestion of this horizontal mouth. Yeah. Holgren stops. You may wish to leave your steeds here. Ah. I found that some animals become disturbed when plants begin to speak. I mean, that's fair. Their food is talking. Uh, I guess I'll dismount. Don't eat me. <laughs> yeah, right? Wouldn't that be really? You're just going to eat your ah, vegetables and they're like, oh. No, I have a family. They're on this plate with me. <laughs> you dismount. Alcasti does as well. Are we finally here? Uh, yes. And horses can be freaked out by talking plants, as one might imagine. So we're going to leave them here. I believe this tree is the one we're here to speak with. And I point at the one with the weird face. Oh, hmm. it is a rather unique looking specimen. Hmm. Is there anything well, that we should know? I'll say to our, uh, to Fulbrin. I have not spoken with him myself, although I do believe he goes by he. Okay. I do understand that uh, he's had a very long and interesting life, and as such, he may be uh, may struggle to remember some details. I would be patient. Mm. All right. I suppose you have a list of questions ready, or at least the general idea of what you want to ask. Uh, yes, um, I, I do have a couple of here. Um, I mean, really, just why was my uh, my ancestor here? Uh, what was the purpose of her command? Um, what was the result? If there's any evidence we could find, that would be certainly useful. Uh, anything we could bring back to prove her uh, her heroism. Whatever it was that she did that was so heroic that uh, that earned her her knightship with the uh, Church of Aridon. All right. I guess uh, let's approach the tree. You know, Alvi will bow deeply... Before greeting. you can, uh oh, you exit the tree line. You make your way forward towards the uh, the rise. Again, this uh, this split in the tree is fairly high up, to the point that it's actually almost beneficial that there's this rise here to create, for lack of an easier term, almost this platform huh, okay. um, for you to go up to stand on to address the tree. Uh, you don't know whether or not that's serendipity or whether or not you know that's part of the reason that hmm. this tree was chosen. Hmm, okay. As you step forward, though, there is movement. A large paw comes up over the edge of the rock area ahead of you. This is followed by the grayed muzzle of a rather large bear. Cute. Atop the back of this brown bear uh -oh. is a small woman. The woman in question you think is probably no taller than maybe about three, maybe a few inches above with okay. this mane of white hair formed into these various braids that are pulled back and held in place by twined vines. She carries with her a staff in one hand and the other hand gripping onto the back of the bear, um, although she does seem to have a sickle that bounces at one hip. Hmm. As the bear climbs to the top and she looks down on, well, both you and uh, Romario, she holds up a hand to stop you. All right, I'll pause. And who are you that invades these woods? The woman says. Her eyes are this brilliant violet hue. 
And judging by that and the facial structure, the larger eyes, the uh, thinner body build, you're going to guess that she's a gnome. Is she speaking common? Uh, she's addressing you in the common tongue. Um, I am Albrecht of House Valspar. This is Romario Alcasi. Uh, we are escorted by Fulgrim from the Wildwood Lodge, and we merely seek audience with the tree. Seek audience with the tree. Mm-hmm. No. I think it would perhaps be best for you and all involved if you just left the forest. Why? This is not a place for you. Why? Because you drag the stink of the city with you. Mm. Because you come here demanding. What respect do you have for this glade, for this ancient beacon of wisdom? Well, in my defense, no, I did no. pay very good money no, to come no, out No, 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 sir. Um, in fact, I will have you know, I have a writ right here from the Wildwood Lodge um, that says that I am allowed to come here and speak with your tree to gain some information, some knowledge. Well, now you just show your ignorance. I'll be just face palms, fully face palms. Uh, I am no druid of the Wildwood. Mm. The man pauses. You know, Romario kind of glancing back towards you, back over. Uh, I thought that was the whole thing with you druids, um, the whole arm weight. I am a member of the Blackwood Moot. There is a difference. Oh, that's interesting. Do I know anything about this? Um, I would allow knowledge local. Um, I'd even allow a nature check because we are talking about a druidic order. I'm going to go with nature because it's better. Uh, I roll a 17 for a 23 nature. You are somewhat familiar with the Blackwood Moot. It is technically speaking, not a druidic circle in the traditional way. The Blackwood Moot is a isolated grove of Blackwood trees that has attracted those treants, those fey, and those druids unsatisfied with the Treaty of the Wildwood Mm. and the violence it still allows against their kin as far as at the edges of the forest, keeping the forest from actually expanding as nature would dictate and Mm. keeping it constrained by the dictates of a man-made border on their land. The rebels of the Blackwood Moot see the Wildwood Lodge as collaborators with Taldor's violence (sighs) and usually hold such uh, organizations with a certain amount of uh, enmity. (sighs) Okay. You can see that your, uh, your dwarven companion Glances back up towards her. <sighs> I thought perhaps we would see you at some time, but I did not expect you here, Tajet. Okay, they know each other. Uh, old man. Still too blinded. I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, you are a dwarf. <laughs> and uh, while you have the, the mind and the love for the stone and the mountain, you have all of the inventiveness and the willing to change of a boulder. These people have been granted safe passage here. This man, he gestures towards you, is a brother of our order. He is no brother of mine. Well, I would say we're all brothers, but, well, or sisters, whatever term you'd like. Technically, as we are all part of nature. Um, I'll look at Alcosti too and say, technically, no one owns the forest, right? Druids, shepherd, they don't own. Well, I mean, it is a prefecture, and it does have a representative as far as the Taldane Senate is concerned. Have you ever heard the phrase, stop digging? Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. And, and as for the... some tea and sips it. Yeah, exactly. And as for the Blackwood Moot, 
I have an idea of your qualms, um, especially regarding Taldor and the limitation of nature at man-made borders. However, the only way for things to change is through knowledge, and the only way for us to gain this knowledge is by speaking with the tree, and we want nothing more than that. Um, regardless of if the tree chooses to answer us or not, that will be what it is. But the tree should be the one to make that decision, not you. That's fair. She turns her back towards you, or away from you, and faces towards the tree. Oh, great sentinel of the forest. There's a cracking sound. Cool. And for a moment, the entirety of the tree almost seems to shudder in a way that causes a score or more birds to quickly flock free from its like, oh God, my branches. house is moving. <laughs> ah, God, earthquake. Fly for your life. There's a sound that can only be described as a combination of wind blowing through tree branches and a yawn. <laughs> Sentinel of the forest. These interlopers have come here. These strangers, outlanders, wish to treat with you. I would ask you to grant me the permission on your behalf, so you need not move, to punish these outsiders who shame our lands and bring even somehow deeper shame to the Wildwood Lodge with their bribes and treating our sacred, wise guardian as a mere servant, that being you. That's a pretty biased explanation. You get the odd impression that something is looking down at you from the trees. But again, you see no eyes yep. or anything else. <laughs> Magic. If that is biased, then provide me an alternative view. Okay. I'm happy to do so. As you step forward, a squirrel, having previously been trying to hide nuts in that hole, jumps free and launches itself through the air to escape the talking tree. Oh, God. Uh, I'll catch it <laughs> if it jumps at me. Oh, oh, God. Put it on the ground. <laughs> Lands on you, hides inside of your coat. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, well, I I don't think it matters word choice, especially when we're speaking of matters like this. All those who weren't born in the forest are technically outsiders from the forest, but that doesn't mean that they can't share the same stuff we all share. Life force, the need for sunlight. Um, but I think the most glaringly biased explanation that she gave was that we seek to use you merely as a servant. This is much more a congenial visit to have a short conversation, um, perhaps to answer any questions you might have in exchange, or perhaps just to give you something different to think about this day. There is no idea that you are lesser or anything other than the great, quite revered sentinel of this forest and we have no intention of being disrespectful at all you have a familiar look about you there's a groaning sound almost as if the tree is like leaned a foot or two forward all right he stays very still so you can see his face i don't know if it's gonna be helpful but that's what he does people come and go from here some stay as you have they get the impression that he's addressing the gnome. Mm. Others leave and then return. I do not fault the migratory bird 
that leaves for warmer fields when the winter comes and returns here when summer arrives. That is the way of the world. Mm. You are a child of summer, and the children of summer are fast and ravenous. Mm. Um, okay, but <laughs> I still don't think that they should be here, and uh, maybe I... Maybe I water the roots of the trees with their blood? Why would the tree need blood for its roots? Oh, I prefer water for watering. Blood is the domain of the creatures of blood. And I am a being of sap. Hmm. I need not blood. And to be honest, my roots have cracked through more bones than you will see in the extent of your lifetime. They do much to feed the earth, but one does not need to hasten them to their end. Inevitably, this child... You get the vague impression that he's referencing you. Oh, okay. And those children and even the horses they ride upon will sit in the ground and rot, and the plants will be happy for it. No need to rush. But offensive. She points over in the direction of Alcasti. <sighs> I didn't wake up to be judged today. So many questions. Um, I will allow you to make a diplomacy check. Okay. All right, I have a 10. Here we go. A 9 for a 19. No, no, I think not today. Oh, I was not expecting to wake up for some time. And though I will admit I am a little testy when I am disturbed in my sleep. Hmm. I need not see their blood spilt today. No, that would be most unpleasant on such a balmy day. The gnome glances over her shoulder towards all of you. Albie grins. You're lucky this time. You get one night in the woods. Thanks. If you're still here after that, I let Firefoot have you. Oh, is that your bear? She pats the bear. That's a great name. The bear makes that like <laughs> sound, you know, that bears make. That's a great name. Nice to meet you. Hopefully we don't meet again. She really hope not. All right. All right. She gives like stink eye back in the direction of uh, of <laughs> Alcasti before turning around on the bear and dropping off the back of the hill and uh, and trotting off. Yay! Well, I have no idea what happened there, but uh, excellently done. Basically, we've just got to be nice to the sentinel and not disturb nature and be out of here before tomorrow night. Okay. Well, um, if that's the case, I'll. Uh... I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I feel like I strangely rubbed these people the wrong way. I've, I've tried to be nothing but polite to them. Did I not pay them enough? Think of it as a, a cultural difference. Money isn't the thing that moves the society. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. Like those endurance. I think money does move them. Well, to a degree, but then they always get all bent out of shape about freedom. Yes. Sure. Whatever helps, honestly. Whatever helps you understand is fine. I've turned it back to the tree, I guess. Um, thank you for agreeing um, to chat with us. 
Yes. Oh, that's right. I did agree to chat with you. I'd forgotten. Oh, I'm sorry okay. for well, bothering you. Oh, no, no. I'm just... When you get to be my age, oh, sometimes snaps come easy and sometimes they come hard. Mm. So, you wanted to know something. Yes, and I apologize if the question seems unimportant um, in the span of all the things you've seen, but... We were wondering if you ever recall a, a group of knights, I don't know if you would have known their name, uh, led by a woman named Anaria uh, Alcosti. She would have been, I need a description. I look at Alcosti, what did she look like? Oh, um, I've been looking this this entire time. Um, he kind of digs around in his bag, produces a, a full-sized bust. Oh, she perfect. Looked exactly uh, she, like this. She would have looked uh, something like this. Uh, we were wondering if you would ever... Um, Naria Alcosti. Oh, I do remember. Oh, I was a young tree then. Ooh, it must have been a few hundred winters ago now. Mm, yes. Oh, yes, yes. She was an interesting sort. How so? She had a respect nature, not a love. Mm. She loved her land, though. She told me of things that I will never see, even before I put down roots. In that time, I could walk, oh. and did so at times, but it became such a bother. Mm. So eventually I settled in and stayed, but no, no, she told me of the lands beyond the rivers, past the Selen, in the place that they called Anduron. She ah. told me of her home and the foothills of the mountains that make up the edge of the world. <laughs> she loved the land. What was she doing when you met her? Like, why was she in the forest? She was a leader. Mm. Alpha of her pack. A score, perhaps, or more of outlanders. Oh, she commanded them before your people split into your squabbling little packs. Mm -hmm. She came here hunting. But not the beasts of the forest, no. She said she was hunting fugitives in the hmm. woods. Mm. But she always treated the Wildwood Lodge with respect and held to the treaties. And they had such a problem with these fugitives that they gave her leave to stay and hunt. Oh. She would come to me often. I think she enjoyed my company. She always had a young girl with her. A squirrel. No. What do you call your knights when they're babies? Ah, uh, squire. Squire, that's the one yes. I'm looking like a for. Squirrel. Yes. Like a squirrel. Yes, <laughs> in all nights. the ways that matter. <laughs> yes, this young s 
squire, as you say, a pure and sacra Tetranali, I think was her name. They would listen to my stories. I appreciated that woman. She sticks in my brain. Ravenous, like a wolf. <laughs> Implacable. Eventually, our little group found their fugitives. Like a rock cracking under the root, given time. Hmm. Where did she find them? Do you know? <laughs> oh, well, this... And I beg your forgiveness, but I... I may have been a little more violent in my youth. <laughs> it was actually nearly here. Oh. I gained quite the appreciation for this spot, and I will admit that uh, after she dealt with them and poured uh, them in the, uh, what does she call it, uh, mass grave, I may have dug ah. in my roots to... Uh, uh, absorb, if you will, the uh, the bounty that was left in the forest floor. Of course. <laughs> Ooh. It is not uh, easy to grow so big and strong as you see. and mm. uh, But I am past that time. No, no, she found them. She hunted down the outlanders. She said that they were stealing from other outlanders. She used the term bandits, mm. but another that she used, what was it? Mm, traitor. Oh. She said they were once part of the Talden army as she was of outlanders mm. and turned treasonous. Oh, the fugitives never gave us problems, but the conflicts of outlanders were none of my concern then. Still, they hid here in the Dragonfin and caused problems for the people. And Onaria broke their backs and captured their leaders. And she bid me farewell afterwards. I never heard from her again. Hmm. Did she live a long and happy life? Um, I look at Alcosti. Unfortunately, uh, not much is really known pertaining towards what happened to my ancestor. Although, obviously, um, the line continues. I am her great, great, too many to count, really great, uh, grandson. Oh, you seem nothing like her. Ah, well, <laughs> um, perhaps I'll grow into it. Um, we will see how far the seed has fallen. <laughs> oh. Um, actually, my friend here has come seeking to learn more about his ancestor, but also to restore knowledge and understanding of her honor and her great deeds. And um, was hoping, if you happen to know of any tangible proof uh, of any of the things that she did in this forest, be it some trinkets from... Uh, your the, the late fertilizer, which helped spur your growth, or hmm. anything of that nature. When they fell, Monaria was so kind as to, um, again, return them to nature, as mm -hmm. it were. Oh, but I will tell you that 
rust is not good for the forest. And she took their items, their swords, their helmets, their armor, and cast them into a cave. Ah. It is a short walk, I believe. The tree kind of shifts in a way, almost as if glancing around for a moment. Okay, all right. Oh, I think it was... I think it was left from here. I remember there a small pond and a nearby tree and under it would always be a burrow full of rabbits. You see the tree's roots are tight there. Mm. It is hard for the fox to get in. Mm. But yes, you might be able to find something. Their bones are long since gone. The wood-like mouth makes kind of a almost lip-specking motion. But a sword or two might remain. You could search there if you wish. We shall. Is there anything you'd ask of us? Oh, no. I've given up on the world outside. So many problems. Mm. Even now, one druid comes to me and says, we wish your knowledge to help us negotiate with the treants of the Blackwood. And another comes to me and says, how can we overcome the druids of the Wildwood? And my answer to both is, I just sit here. (laughs) I warned them if I need to, as I have some power and respect as a druid of my own. Enough to send them an animal messenger, as it were, if there should be trouble or if I should spot smoke on the horizon. But no, no, no trouble in these parts. The occasional dragon, but they tend to be of the the acidic and not fiery variety, so I don't worry if they want to slink about the dragon fin. It bears their name, after all. And how can I begrudge them if I am here in the Blackwood Grove? That is very true. That is very true. So that I wish you well, young sapling. May you grow tall and strong. Thank you. Uh, Enjoy your rest. I will. Until the next one comes around. Well, I hope that's a while so you can get all the rest you want. Oh, well, if they can hold off till fall, at least I will be happy. Good luck on your quest, noble warriors. May you prove yourselves to be the equals of those who came before you. And when you fall, may the trees that feed upon your bones grow mighty indeed. All right, thank you. Of course, yes, thank you so much for your... uh, your wise counsel. It is uh, greatly appreciated if there's anything. I mean, I don't have anything with me, but uh, when I return back to Casimir, perhaps I could have them ship some fertilizer here or something, whatever it is that you would like best. Um, but in the meantime, thank you again. All right. I I believe that the the uh, the cave we're looking for is this way. I'll lead this yeah. really silly noble away before he says anything else that could be <laughs> offensive. Um, yeah, Polgren uh, helps you make your way that way and with even the vague description after about an hour or so you can find a uh, uh, not far from the tree a cave ah nice 
It blends in exceptionally well with its surroundings, uh, mostly due to the overgrowth in front of it. After that, it's no more than really about half an hour or so to uh, find the first couple of uh, split open helmets, a few remains of broken swords, okay. a number of daggers. Each one of these do bear an insignia, uh, hmm. seemingly that of a fox. Uh, you may make a knowledge nobility if you so wish. All right. That's but also allow local. Nobility is better. I roll a 17 for a 26. You do recognize the style of this fox insignia as belonging to specifically one of the various branches of the Taldane Scouts. Huh. Um, these are a sub-branch of the uh, Taldane Phalanx. Okay. Considering that many of these insignias weren't damaged in battle, they look like they were crossed through or extra-carved. Yeah, this uh, these swords look like they belong to deserters from this specific <sighs> part Excellent. of the Phalanx. So I guess we'll gather them up. This is fantastic. You know, I mean, the tree had many fine things to say about my ancestor, but mm -hmm. its testimony alone would not be enough to pass muster in the courts of Obara. However, this, the broken weapons of her enemies, well, that might lay some weight to the story, particularly a unit um, disbanded for treason. Yes, that's actually the part that probably makes these worthwhile. If they were just any swords, it'd be hard to make any sort of claim about them. It's true. Well, then, I suppose then we should uh, gather this together, and then hopefully this will be enough to uh, to start to sway some hearts and minds, as it were. There's still more information that I need. I mean, you could potentially reach out to the whoever, the great-great-whatever of uh, Sayakra, the, the squire, the squire's family. They might have re family records, and they might mention your ancestor as well. Yes, I haven't heard her name before. I was thinking about heading to Andoran. I have some cousins there, and I think mm. they have some old missives of my ancestor of Onaria. Mm. They may have some more bearing, perhaps give me a better idea of where I could find these. I don't recognize the name, so I don't know if they were nobles or if she was a uh, lesser house or perhaps even her squire um, would have yes. been fully knighted by the end of the war and perhaps was stri stripped of her position in Taldor as well. It's all possible. You have fun in Andron without me. Yes, there, there are a number of things that uh, um, I still need to pursue, but this is a fantastic start. Thank you very much. So, yes, uh, let's, uh, let's, I think, get a little bit closer to the river, if we can, before uh, before the sun sets, since uh, Certainly. I don't want to be out here with a murderous halfling, or no, or whatever she was. Yes, we, we don't want to overstay our welcome. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we'll head back to the horses and get this very not outdoorsy guy out of the outdoors <laughs> can't take the outdoors out of or you can't take the boy out of the outdoors but you can take the outdoors with the boy or something like that uh, yeah some saying in there maybe some saying there's some sort of thing this guy and his money will i pay <laughs> <laughs> my god okay what if i bought you some fertilizer <laughs> what kind can... of cow poop do you like <laughs> yes yes i'll put a soaker hose around your roots yes yeah that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you like, I could put a little bit of mulch down there, some cedar mulch, perhaps. It keeps away the uh, the termites. Oh, man. But you turn, begin to make your way. Um, Bolgrim comes up alongside you. Hmm. I do want to apologize for getting you involved into a matter between the Wildwood and the Blackwood moot. Ah, well, it was probably unavoidable considering our destination. They're becoming bolder. It's not a good thing. Yes. Though at least today, it was ended peacefully enough. 
I know your family has long connections with the Viridian Forest, but mm. you should be cautious. The Blackwood have a great deal of strength in northern Viridian, close to your family's lands. It is only a matter of time before they stop focusing on us and turn their gaze outwards. <sighs> Thank you for the warning. The three of you make your way back through the forest. You remount your uh, your steed and head off uh, back in the direction of, uh, you suppose, safety and eventually civilization um, as sure. you're heading back towards uh, the Viridian Fork. Maybe not as eager to get back to civilization as uh, your compatriot here is, but at the I'm very least... I'm eager to have him back to civilization, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to have him back onto the... Uh, to whoever he's dealing with next. Yes. <laughs> My takeaway was this guy's a little bit pampered. I don't know if that's helpful or not. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see whether or not he's uh, he's off maybe in Andorin, maybe somewhere in the south. You'll find out. But you begin to make your way off. And uh, honestly, we'll pick it up here next time. Pick it up here with a completely different uh, hero of the, uh, the sovereign court. Oh, man. Exciting. Man, you managed to talk your way even out of a combat. So uh, I'll, I'll applaud you right there. <laughs> you know how hard it was to get a 10 diplomacy as a fighter? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine very. <laughs> uh, worth it. Well, excellently well done. I applaud you for that. And uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, a fighter druid is not a usual combination. That yeah, you it's see. a little weird, but it's it's fun. Hey, it paid off for this one. Yeah, I know. I was like, man, Rick picked an amazing adventure. <laughs> hey, you know, it works out pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that each one of these are uh, are themed as close as I can get. There's a part of me, funny enough, there's a part of me that considered whether or not I wanted to flip the one that I gave to Ross and the one that I gave to Jordan. But then I was like, you know what? I think it's good. All right. Okay. But I know nothing about what either of those things are. No, you'll have to you'll have to listen and find out. Much as our uh, patrons um, have been uh, listening and finding out for years with uh, all of our <laughs> amazing content, as well as uh, listening and finding out over on our Tyrants Grass feed, um, mm. I do want to take an opportunity to thank said patrons for their continued patronage, their support, um, doing everything that they have been doing to make certain that this uh, the ship stays afloat. That we are uh, we're <laughs> able to sit here and, and make our way down the Viridian Forest and not be eaten alive by bears. Yep. Which I guess is always a possibility. Yeah, there were two mentions of bears. There were. There were multiple mentions of bears. I foreshadowed that bear with another bear. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> then again, I could have said that you were never attacked by a swarm of rabbits or, uh, you know, uh, an entire herd of deer. I could have gone with either of those. That's true. That's fair. Who knows? And maybe this isn't the last that everyone has heard from the uh, the Blackwood Moot or the uh, mm. the Wildwood Lodge. Maybe they'll be cropping up uh, in the future for something pertaining towards uh Either this story or maybe over in War for the Crown. Who knows? Cool. Okay. That's very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. All, all good options. Um, so again, as we did previously, uh, we will not be doing uh, individual Patreon shout outs just because, uh, again, there would just be two and that would be very, very brief. Yep. That's um, true. Uh, however, I do want to take it, take the opportunity to, of course, say thank you. Um, again, it is thanks to the amazing yep. generosity of our patrons who continue to support us that we are able to do experiments like this. Um, I've always found the idea of playing around with the number of players, with the group size and the dynamic to be interesting, and uh, really having an opportunity like last week's show, like this week's show. You know, here's a player playing a character that happens to speak druidic in a game. I don't know if Jessica's ever had a character that speaks druidic actually speak druidic to another druid in a game. It was so cool. Yes. Um, so it's I mean, like, I yeah, I have, have a secret language I can talk to people with. Yes. Yes. It was delightful. Uh, actually, I do think that there was some druid talk in uh, Hell's Rebels once. Yeah. Like one time. Yeah. 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 But 
you know, having that opportunity to really showcase and especially because I was presented with five different scenarios and I looked at this one and said, well, this one's perfect for the guy or for the the guy that's a formerly trained druid now into a fighter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That would be a perfect fit for this one. And so it's uh, it's thanks to the amazing generosity of uh, the, our patrons that we're able to kind of do things like this. Because, yes, thank again, you. while I am running a quest, I am very much reworking it to fit better into the narrative. Um, and that's something I can do because thanks to your generosity, I have time to do that now. Mm, true. So thank you to all of you. And I do want to, of course, take an opportunity to thank or find the path to your patrons, which do include Andrew Miller and her, Braden Worrell, Elliot Brown, Eric and Lisa Junker, Gary S, Ian Date, Jessica Vetterly, Jim C, Joshua Saldana, Kevin Etterfay, Lewis Ellis, Siren Roll, and TJ Khan. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And stay tuned next time for more exciting uh, adventures here with this. Uh, again, I am somewhat hesitant to call them the B team anymore because uh, these We're are some A plus characters. I've been very much enjoying this. So uh, our sovereign court are. Uh, you know, side story characters that maybe steadily creeping themselves in periodically, uh, yes. much again akin to uh, the faded tells being uh, made up of uh, faded and fated tells mm. being made up of uh, all of these amazing characters. So, really giving uh, my players Jessica, obviously the example this time, a chance to showcase her skills in developing fun and unique characters that are uh, pretty much the polar opposite of the thing that she's playing otherwise. Since, That's true. Uh, I don't imagine Verity getting dirt under her fingernails. No, Verity's not really <laughs> not really the outdoorsy type. Not really the type, let alone to just jump off of a boat and tell a commoner to call her Albie. Yep. So, uh, regardless, though, if you have enjoyed this, and I hope you have, be sure to check in next time to see what player is going to be playing what other unique and fun character next time. That's going to be awesome. I know. I'm so excited for it. That's very cool. I think I mentioned it to Jordan. I'll mention it to you. I'm really excited to get to uh, part six, which is going to be after each of you have had an entire episode to play your own characters, ah. to then be all thrown together into a group now that you have a bit more even establishment of your character than usually you get in the first episode where you get a little vignette and then you're thrown together. Yeah, let's all hope that we know each other. Let's all hope that we're, uh, we mesh. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. War for the Crown is copyright 2018. War for the Crown and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.